The Late Morning Program with Namrat Podcast. Hi Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the Late Morning Program with Namras, the number one Hi Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here, uh, very honored to be with Krishna Dharma Prabhu and Chintamani Dham Mataji. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Namras Prabhu, for having yeah. us. So uh, I, I'm so I'm so happy that we, you know, this came together and we get, uh, we're getting to talk. I don't know if you remember, but I came to your home and we did a a, a reading together and a reflective. Uh, reading it was it was so brilliant we, me and Tulsi came it must have been like in 2015 or something like that but uh, I'd really love to talk to you about your initiative that you've um, created and all the amazing journey that you've had together as well as uh, learning about Sangha and about reading Srila Prabhupada's books all kinds of things that we can cover today but first of all I'd like to start with how did you both come to come to Krishna consciousness let's start there Sure. Um, well, I'll kick off. Thank you very much for having us, Namras Prabhu. We're very grateful. Um, feel like we've made it now. You know, we've we've featured on the uh, late morning program, so <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, our lives are perfect. Um, yeah, but uh, how did I come to Christian Consciousness? Yes. Um, well, I I was previously I was in the Merchant Navy actually uh, as a navigator, navigating officer on ships and um and i'd kind of reached the end of that and i began traveling i, I was traveling in uh, the greek islands and i lived there for a while with my girlfriend and um i you know i, I was vaguely aware that i, I wasn't very happy and <laughs> i was looking for something i'd been reading various books like you do uh in, back in that time you know the carlos castaneda and love saying ramper and all that rubbish um and it, it sparked in me this interest, and I, I did have a theistic inclination. So I was, I was aware that I, I was, you know, looking for something spiritual, but I didn't know what it was. And um, cut a long story short, we came back from the Greek islands, and I was uh, hitchhiking with my girlfriend uh, way down on the south coast somewhere in England, and um, and we were trying to get um, back, you know, back to home. I lived around London. Um, and, uh, but I wanted to really go to a spiritual community and I didn't know where there was one. So we're sort of waiting. I remember standing by this rainy roadside for like ages and ages and ages. And suddenly this van pulled up and it had on the side of it, Eastern Arts and Crafts. And uh, I thought, wow, this was interesting. I wonder who this is. And he said, get in. You know, so we got in, we were all soaking wet, having been there for so long, no one had stopped. Um, and he said, so where are you going? And I said to him, well, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, you know, I knew I wanted to go to some sort of spiritual community. And he said, really? And I said, well, I'm looking for a spiritual community. And this person turned out to be a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. Um, his, and his name was Hetu Das. Uh, the late, he's actually left his body now. But um, but he looked at me and his sort of face lit up. Oh, a spiritual community, really? Okay, well, maybe I can help. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for something, I think I might have the answer. So, um you know, he took me directly, more or less, you know, to, to the manor. Um, I'd previously come in contact with devotees. I knew a little bit about them, and I'd n not really been attracted to them so much because they looked so strange, and, you know, they, they seemed so weird to me when they're doing the Harry Nams and everything. I couldn't really relate to it. <laughs> but 
but you know, when he took me to the temple and then I met the devotees, I thought, whoa, these people are kind of normal. You know, like, you know, despite the bizarre appearance, they, they, they seem like nice guys and everything else. So um, I, I was quickly attracted. And, um, and actually, within a week, I'd shaved up and everything. My girlfriend was freaking out, you know, don't shave your hair. I had this massive Afro hairstyle. <laughs> and I said, no, I've got to do it. It's like, this is it. This is what I'm looking for, you know. <laughs> I was so taken by it. I had so many questions. I was very, very inquisitive. And, but they answered all of them. It was, I was astonished. And, um, and really, that's it. You know, I, I, I haven't looked back. It's all history since then. My girlfriend went back home. She didn't join. Uh, so I gave everything up just at the drop of a hat, the, the, you know, girlfriend. I gave all my savings. Rohini Nandan Prabhu, you know, took me to the took me to the bank and he waited outside while I drew the money out. <laughs> Here's so many of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. He said, I, he said, I was scared that once you had the money in your hands, you know, you think, oh, what am I doing? I'm off, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, that was it. I, I just joined up, put on the strange clothes, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Right. Here I still am. Wonderful. And Mataji? I, I was very philosophical from around the age of 14. I, I, uh, when I went to Iran to my grandparents' house, I'd sit on the roof and look up at the stars and think, you know, where have I come from? Why am I here? And that, I think that uh, drove me to take philosophy and politics at university. I went to Bristol and did a joint honours degree in philosophy and politics because I wanted to really understand the meaning of life. And um, the professor of uh, the department in Bristol was joint professor at Barker University as well in the US. And his very first lecture to the undergrads was like, uh, any of you here to understand the meaning of life? And all our hands went up and said, well, philosophy today is about the meaning of words. And so if you're looking for the meaning of life, that's not what you're gonna find here. So I was very disappointed. And after university, I started working. My, my father wanted to start his own business in a as a fast food business. So he asked me to get a job with McDonald's. I got an um, assistant managerial job with McDonald's. And that was soul destroying for me. Uh, you know, for the time I was there, I just felt my soul gradually shriveling up. And one day when I was walking to work, I just, I, after university, I'd become agnostic. I'd been a very kind of like spiritually inclined before university, but by the end of university, they were all atheists, um, our professors. So I'd become an agnostic. So one day I was walking to work and a prayer escaped my lips. I just kind of called out in desperation, dear God, if you exist, please tell me what is the purpose of my life? You know, we take birth, we go to school, we get a job we don't want, we get married to a man we don't love. I do love my husband, but at the time I was associated, I was um, engaged to someone else. And, you know, then we grow old and die. And what was the point of it all? Why not just die? Um, and then I said, I don't believe in you anymore, so I guess I should take that prayer back. But that day I found a Back to Godhead magazine in, um, in the restaurant as I was closing up the restaurant. And uh, every article I wrote, uh, I read, was just like, I just felt there was fireworks going off in my mind. So then I started join, uh, visiting the temple in Soho Street. And within you know two weeks i'd just walked out of my job within three weeks i had joined the ashram and like my husband just handed over my savings that was a pre-requirement for me to join just so, so I, I did it i just you can have everything um and uh, so that was how it happened that was in 81 so a little bit yeah. after my husband wow <laughs> so 
I want to talk a little bit about the title of this podcast, Improving Our Sadhu Sangha. And I know you have a website, ImprovingSangha.com. Let's talk yes. a little bit about what's the what was the thought behind that or the catalyst for, for this specific topic within the Vaishnava community? Any of you can take When I ask a question, any of you can take it. You can jump in. <laughs> you go ahead because you were, uh, you know, since how many you speak. Okay. Well, you know, by um, we... We were introduced because we both liked philosophy. Bhagavan Prabhu was our initiating spiritual master. And the way we were told later that he decided to put us together is that he asked a lot of questions, she asked a lot of questions, put them together, they can ask each other a lot of questions. And as it so happened, that's exactly how it's worked. And it's worked very well. So my husband and I went to Manchester to start a center there. And, you know, for the first whatever years, 15 years, it was fine. Um, 15 years of me being devoted. And then, we had uh, Madhva and then we had Radhika, so my sadhana really went down. Um, my husband was the TP at Manchester Temple Center, so he'd be going in with the boys. And my sadhana just became almost non-existent. I was chanting rounds, but very poorly. And he was also the national secretary. So I heard all the scandals and all the gossip and everything. Because, you know, it'd be weighing on his mind. He had to tell someone. He would tell me. So the combination of those two things, hearing the kind of like the nitty gritty behind the veneer of yeah. saintliness and hearing what's going on sometimes behind that veneer. Plus my very, very poor sudden and my very weak state um, made me actually begin to lose my faith. And uh, suddenly I found myself after spending, you know, uh, 15 of the most productive years of my life in the movement uh, at that time. Um, I'm with three children now and no income. I'd given everything. We weren't earning anything. And my family had rejected me when I became a devotee. But suddenly I found I don't have faith in this anymore. And um, so I was sitting at the in our kitchen table just thinking, what am I going to do? And my husband was becoming really concerned because, you know, that we wouldn't just split and just ruin everything for our family, for our children. So he just kept putting proper lectures on, you know. And um, anyway, a little voice in my heart said, Chintam, if you leave now, you will suffer a lot. Begin to study Prabhupada's books. So I thought, okay, I'll give it one last shot. So when the children were asleep, I'd just sit with Prabhupada's Gita, sentence by sentence. And it was, at that time, I hadn't heard the instructions from Prabhupada. I just, suddenly, I was just doing this almost like guided by super soul, just writing out each sentence and then putting in my own words, what Prabhupada's saying, what does he mean? Do I have any doubts? Do I have any confusions? And when he'd come home, if there was something that had really bothered me, like women are less intelligent, never trust a woman, things like that, I'd be like, on his case, how can you believe this? And he'd say, sit down, let's talk about it. Let's see what Prophet really meant, you know. <laughs> uh, so this went on for our two years, me discussing by myself and just coming to him with my questions. And us, he would always have Prophet lectures on. Um, so I was hearing things from Prabhupada, like I remember one thing which really, really um, was a game changer for me. Uh, all these quotes that impacted me and him later on, um, we've put on the website because they were the quotes that it's not like we set out to invent something. It, it was a discovery for us and we began applying it and it began really changing the game for us. And then we thought, let's try and share it with others. So one of the first things I'd heard, because that really changed things for me, is because my husband, being in a man's body, 
when he would ask questions, he was popular for that. It was a good thing amongst men to be philosophical. Being in a woman's body, when I used to ask questions, I was always put down and told, don't be over-intelligent. Don't ask so many questions. Just do as you're told. So I gradually realized that for me, for the devotees, can I accept me? I have to stop I have to stop being philosophical, which is my nature. I just have to stop thinking and accept because I want to be a devotee. Um, but by the time I lost my faith, any doubt, any confusion I had, it was now, it was like exploding. It was it had become part of my faithlessness. But I heard Prabhupada in a lecture, because he kept putting Prabhupada lectures on saying, so now you have heard, now what? Now you should ask, do I agree with Swamiji or don't I agree? And even if you don't agree, you should say why you don't agree. And then it, you'll see if you discuss like this, then gradually faith will begin to come. And Prabhupada was the first person, first devotee to tell me I was allowed to disagree with him. And so that that element of not feeling as if I'm an offender because I say, well, it just doesn't make sense to me or I don't agree with this. It was, I was suddenly freed of that, like, you're just uh, over-intelligent. I was like, probably saying, you have intelligence, use it. You know, don't be a blind follower. He was the first one. Instead of saying, don't be over-intelligent, saying, be intelligent. Ask your doubt. State it. Say, I don't agree. Why I don't agree? Hmm. So that kind of quote began shaping. And then after two years with, with me doing it alone and just coming to my husband with my questions, um. One day my husband said, let's do it together every day because he saw the big transformation he brought about in me. And just the moments we came together to discuss questions I had, had obviously had some effect on him too. And he said, let's do this together every day. And um, I'll just say a little bit more on this topic. For the first like um, three years of us doing it together, we both had really bad discussion habits like most people. We used to argue with each other, we used to quarrel, we used to invalidate each other, we used to, you know, it was just actually an unpleasant experience for both of us because both of us had really the same kind of discussion habits you see going on on Facebook all the time, you know, it's just <laughs> the normal, the normal stuff, you know. Um, and, uh, but he just kept putting Prabhupada lectures on and then we'd hear snippets from Prabhupada and we'd say, oh, he, guiding us how to change our discussion habits. And um, like you say, put it in your own words, reflect, you know, be, you know, you should be pleasant how you speak, you should sign. So we began implementing some of the things we were hearing. And over that next three, three years, the whole tenor of our discussions changed. And with it, the whole mood of our relationship, our marriage went from being at one point quite acrimonious and quite troubled to being really harmonious and very peaceful, and uh, my faith came back very strongly, and uh, and then we both realized that we didn't want to stop now, but it was something we loved doing together, uh, and at that time, around that time, we left Manchester, and we came down to the manor and started, um, when I was aware, because my husband was working, when I was aware that there were devotees at the manor who were suffering the same way we had been suffering in Manchester, either in their marital relationships or in other ways, we started trying to think, how can we share this with them? It was slow, very slow, because, but um, gradually more and more devotees around the manor community are doing it. And it, for whoever takes it seriously, it seems to have a very similar effect on them. 
uh, as it did on us. So our conviction in, um, in these principles, we call them, has grown and grown, and we want to share it with other devotees. Mm. Mm. Yep, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, did you want to ask a question now, No, I, I just wanted to clarify something that, um, so you're saying that that improving the Sangha is is based upon the way you are doing the Sangha and discussing uh, Shastra, essentially. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, add, uh, uh, Prabhu, please. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It's um, the sangha is with each other and with Sri Prabhupada in the center. Right. Um, yeah, what we're trying to do is deepen our relationships with each other and especially with Sri Prabhupada. Sri Prabhupada is the foundational Shiksha Guru for everyone in ISKCON, um, as you know, GBC are trying to stress, and of course it's true. So um, we all say that, we uh, and we all accept that. But, but how can we actually make that a reality? How can we, you know, really deepen our relationship with Prabhupada? And we've discovered that by following the, um, you know, the, the, the uh, instructions that he gives, that he, if you listen carefully to his classes, there are so many uh, of these instructions, and we've collated them on the website about how we can conduct our sanghas and, and how we can uh, go more deeply into Shastra and effectively associate with the pure devotee, with Srila Prabhupada, through his Vani. Um, and it's a very powerful process. For us, it's always been Prabhupada. I mean, we, we obviously came in just after he left, and so we were initiated by a couple of the zonal acharyas. Um, but speaking for myself, at least, it was always Srila Prabhupada. Right from the start, I mentioned how when I first came, I was picked up by this devotee in, in the van, and and actually, he had a Bhagavad Gita on his dashboard, Bhagavad Gita as it is. He said, will you read that to me? So I started reading it, and the verses were like bombs, you know, going off in my head. So I was so confused at the time. I didn't know anything. I thought, who am I? Where am I? Am I? Do I even exist? You know, I was just totally in that space of madness. And, and then Prabhupada's books were like so powerfully impacting on me. Just the reading the Gita there, you know, right from the start. So that relationship began at that point and and that's why i was like attracted to hearing his lectures constantly hearing them and we began to pick up all these pointers from him about how to do this sadhu sangha how to hear you know that we must we should repeat and that we should um question bring up your doubts and confusions because when you actually associate with Prabhupada deeply when you really do this sadhu sangha properly it churns the heart the doubts come. We've all got doubts. If we didn't have doubts, we'd be fully surrendered souls. But we're not. So something's holding us back. And we don't even know what it is. We've got all these attachments in our heart. Uh, but they come out. As we do this Sadhu Sangha, they begin to come out. Srimvata, Swakata, Krishna, Punyashravana, Kirtana, Hariantex, Dohi, Abhadrani, the Abhadras in the heart. You know, and the Lord helps. And they come out and we can then confront them in this pleasing um association of other devotees but this is the key thing as my wife is saying it has to be pleasing you know it should be pleasing to the heart and so those are the pointers we've picked up from Prabhupada that my wife was talking about that we've put on the website and which we try to teach others to enable them to have this very pleasing atmosphere of discussion while at the same time 
bringing out the doubts, the confusions, and getting those realizations because they they come, you know, in, in that kind of atmosphere. For most We've devotees, when, yeah. yeah. For, yeah. For, for most devotees, not most devotees, maybe young devotees or all devotees, but it's sometimes very hard to sit down and read on, on one's own. And it's, it's uh, I think the way you were explaining it is that it's, it's more like a group effort. Is that right? To Do discuss it together. That? Yes, okay, thank you. I was just waiting for you to decide who, which of us is gonna speak. Um, so Anamaras, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, because while my husband was speaking, I, I wanted to add this little bit, which brings ties in with your question about it's really hard to read alone. Um, around the same time, um, when I started studying Gita by myself in those two years when he wasn't doing it with me, I just want to tell you a little bit of this history. I was also reading Bhagavatam, and in Canto 1, Chapter 3, Text 44, for anybody who wants to go and find the evidence themselves. Prabhupada says, simply hearing is not enough. And he said, if one um, if one is not pure in mind, one cannot understand. And one cannot be pure in mind if he's not pure in his um, behavior. And he cannot be pure in his behavior if he's not pure in his habits. And he cannot be pure in his habits if he's not pure in his eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Fe yeah, fear as well. So he said that. And you can look at the purport. So I it's remember in, um, 1344. 1344 per pod. So um I remember feeling like, so what's the point? What am I thought, you know, reading Gita and Bhagavatam was and chanting the holy was the way to purify me. Now Prabhupada's saying because I'm impure, it's not gonna work. So it seems like a catch twenty-two. If you're pure, you'll get pure, and if you're not pure, you're gonna stay impure. <laughs> So I was feeling really kind of like, oh, I might as well give up. What's the point, you know? And, of course, as I said, my husband just kept putting proper lectures on, on all the time. I wasn't addicted to Prabhupada at the time. He he brought me to Prabhupada, you know. Um, and then, you know, most of what Prabhupada would be saying would just be going over my head. You know, I would just not be really paying attention. But occasionally mystically something he said would penetrate through the thickness and impact me and it would always be exactly what i needed to hear so that's what happened this one day i was just like i remember i was cooking in the kitchen and i was i just read this in one in the bible time and i was saying what's the point why am i even trying and then this sentence just came and impacted me like hit me you know and Prabhupada says generally one cannot understand but if one does understand, and then he said, and it is not very difficult, simply if you discuss, you will very easily understand. And then you will see Krishna in the pages of the Bhagavatam. So that discussion that we don't read alone, I hardly do any private reading. I mean, I do because we're working on the Brilliance, the Sun series together. So I... I I'm working for that reason. I do private reading because I'm which working to do this um, series of books together. But most of my study, the transformational association I do with Prabhupada, that association I go to because I want a change of heart is through discussion. Every morning we discuss Bhagavatam. Every morning we discuss Gita. And, you know, it's like it's such a lovely way to spend time together. 
it's a way that increases your, if you're doing it correctly, Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 3, Text 30, says what your experience will be. And this is what your, our experience is. Now we're learning how to do it correctly. Um, Canto 11, Chapter 3, Text 30 says, one should learn how to associate with the devotees of the Lord and discuss with them these literatures. And by so doing, one will experience, one will develop loving friendships and experience mutual happiness and satisfaction. And by thus encouraging one another, one will gradually give up his addiction to sense gratification. Wow. So it's, it's a slow journey, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a much nicer way of us discussing. And, and we have no time for arguing anymore because mm-hmm. our discussion is based on this very pleasant, harmonious way. Um, and, and I have experienced, it's not just us people who say, oh, you guys are boffins, this works for you, doesn't work for others. But there are other couples now around the manor community who were, um, I remember a friend of Radhika, Radhika's came to me once, she'd gone on this Pandavasena trip. And some of the older Pandavasena girls who were married were uh, in, the, in the bus, were joking how they were always arguing with their husbands. And Radhika was just a young teenager at the time. And she said, oh, you guys argue with your husbands? And... Um, one of them said, well, you don't, uh, your parents don't. She said, no, they never argue. <laughs> and so one of those ladies, I, I, I think she'd be embarrassed if I said her name, but she's an incredible at discussing. She's so good. She's doing so much to spread it. Um, she came to me in private. She said, she said, my marriage is about to, we're on the verge of divorce. Can you tell me your secret? Why, how is it that you two don't argue? So I taught her how to discuss the Gita. And her husband was so impressed by the change that happened in her because we began daily discussing the way my husband and myself were discussing. And, and now she and her husband does it. She's taught her children to do it, and she's getting other couples to do it. So I've discovered that it's, it's not just us. It's not just because he's a philosopher and I'm a philosopher. If you discuss according to the principles of Vada correctly, then the discussion is very pleasing, as my husband was quoting from Canto 3, Chapter 25, Text 25. It's kata. It's very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. Um, so, yeah, that's we now do through discussion. But we had to change how we discussed. That's, that's the rub. That mm-hmm. we come in discussing according to the principles of uh, the technical terms, that Baladeva Jibhushan gives in, in, the, in his commentary of the Gita, Vitanda and Jalpa. So these forms of discussion are very argumentative. It's all about defeating the other person. And we have to learn how to not discuss like that. We have to learn how to discuss according to the principles of Vada, which is very collaborative. You're on the same team, you're working together, you're allowed to have different perspectives, but you're coming with, from different perspectives, working collaboratively. And that's, very, that's a very pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Prabhu, do you want to add something before I I, I want to ask a question? Um, no, no, I think um, I, I obviously I agree with everything my wife has said, but um, just that the, you know to understand this, um, she was saying that it, it's not a thing for boffins. You know, sometimes we're accused of that that oh well, you know, you, you two are gyanis and that's that's really okay for you, but I, we like to work. And I was um, going to ask something about that. Yeah, please continue. I, I'll. I'll yeah um so uh, but really um this is it's it's not um a process of imbibing knowledge in the traditional gyan sense this is shravanam kirtanam this is two of the well it's the two principal angas of bhakti where 
we discuss and in the process of discussing we also repeat we hear and we repeat so you know we're, we're fulfilling it's it's actually a form of preaching as well that um we're you know we're, we're, we're enjoying to preach to, to anyone we meet but it should start in your own home with your own family with your own wife with your own children right. and actually children can do this it's it's so much not a gyani thing that we know families with like three-year-olds four-year-olds who are doing it even younger right you know they're so they're, uh, and and they're growing up with it and um and it's it's very very easy all it is is you just have to read you know one sentence couple of sentences and then put it in your own words it's as simple as that and then the other person serves you by reflecting that back to you you know and and so on and and we've got all these principles on the website i won't run through all of them here and now but i'm just trying to make the point that it's a very simple enjoyable process that incorporates shravanam kirtanam smaranam you know it's it, all of these things are there um within this simple process and it, it's so easy that children can do it and you know wives husbands and wives really should do it because one of the things another thing we've found that is is a problem is that husbands oh, i don't discuss with my wife uh, i just give class <laughs> i tell her what to think and what to, but um you know that, that 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 kind of approach is is is, is not helpful because we, we we have to just view each other as as co um you know we're on this journey together of spiritual life and we're here to serve each other and the best way to do that is by coming together and enabling each other's understanding realization and discussion of shastra um so like we're two spirit souls one happens to be in a female body the other's in a male body um but there's there's you know there's there, there shouldn't be any kind of external considerations like that may i, I just question. interject would you yeah, mind yeah. if i just interject uh, you know in every other aspect of my life of our lives together he's the husband and i am the subordinate I take his permission, I ask it, I do as he asks. Only when it comes to the discussions, then we become equals. And because neither of us know who Krishna is going to speak through. And this is the way that actually our mutual respect develops. Because, you know, Krishna sometimes, when we've done it with our children, Krishna has spoken to both of us through one of our children, who much less studied in the books than we are. But... The intelligence comes from God. So we're, when we come to the discussion of Shastra, we open up that Krishna can speak through any of us. And through this, our mutual respect and, and appreciation for each other increases. Just in that discussion, we come together as equal spirit souls because we don't know who Krishna may decide to speak through. But in every other area, he's the husband, I'm the wife. He's the leader in the relationship, and I'm the follower just in the discussions that the dynamic becomes a little different mm. i want to ask a question around something that you said mataji about uh someone came to you and and they were not their relationship wasn't doing well uh and then you they said show me how to how to do this so is is it that because because sometimes we hear uh devotees say like oh i have some issue and then okay just chant Hare krishna and it's going to be fixed and and that doesn't sit right with devotees because there's sometimes other things that need to be tweaked, not just the chanting Hare Krishna thing. So I want to clarify, are you saying that 
by doing this, you're, is it that this is like a fix for something that like for a marriage or something? I just want to kind of dig into yeah, that a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm really happy. You, you ask such good questions. Thank um, you. Really nice questions. Thank you. So, um, Normally, I would reflect back, but this conversation is going with such a flow that as long as you're comfortable, I'll just re respond to the yeah, question. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so the thing is, why doesn't chanting Hare Krishna work? Because we're inattentive. We're not getting a taste from our japa. I mean, I know I don't get a taste from my japas. My japa is something I have to do. So it's not giving me that, that taste, that sense of inner fulfillment. With the discussion, sadhusanga it's much easier to get that taste, at least that's been our experience, that when we apply the principles that we share from Prabhupada, we, we've not put one thing of our own, we just let Prabhupada speak on the website, you know, mm -hmm. um, we've just trying to share what we've heard. Um, so when we apply those principles, the discussion becomes not just spiritually nice, it becomes so emotionally fulfilling, it becomes so connected, you know, that we actually experience, as the Bhagavatam says, we should be experiencing mutual happiness and satisfaction. So what was happening with this lady, she was feeling such, such we were doing it every day at one point, a group of ladies, I was introducing it to the man, in the manor um, amongst the ladies there, and around eight of us were coming together every single day and discussing, and they were all learning these, um, these uh, principles and applying them. And the discussion becomes so both spiritually uplifting because you're, you're beginning to speak about the philosophy, then you talk about how this can help me in my life, in my situation. What is Krishna saying to me about how I can change, how I can take baby steps to coming towards him, changing, transforming. But that whole spiritual discussion is happening in such an emotionally um, fulfilling way that we would all leave the um, Agita and Bhagavatam discussions just so, with a feeling of such connectedness that personally I don't get when I chant Japa, you know. So her her experience when she was doing it every day with us is that when she'd go home, her husband would come back tired and just wanting to take his tiredness out on her, her frustration out on her. She stopped reacting because she was still experiencing the glow, the happiness. And that's what began making her husband curious and began making wanting him to learn more because he was thinking before he'd come home and he'd, he'd take out his irritation of the day on her and he would get her to rise to the occasion. You know, she'd talk back and they'd end up fighting. But when he'd come home after she'd been, she'd had an hour or two of discussions at the manor with us, she'd come home and he'd say something else and she was still in her own happy place. <laughs> and he just wasn't able to rattle her. She'd just be really humble back and say, yes, Prabhu, I'm sorry, Prabhu, you know. And um, he was thinking, you just change. You just don't take the hook anymore. Uh, so, yes, I am saying when we do discussions properly, I mean, obviously we have to work on other issues as well. Yeah. Uh, so we work on other issues too. But it does begin to give... You change how you see your circumstance. You begin to see your circumstance differently, not as in duality, I like, I don't like, but this is Krishna's arrangement in my life for a reason. And you begin to experience that emotional satisfaction. You're getting your satisfaction from somewhere that makes you feel, I can rise to the challenge the Lord has given me.
Mm. You know, so you begin to see Krishna's hand and get the inner strength to reciprocate with his hand. Mm. I, I find these discussions so powerful. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add something because um, Namras Prabhu, you were saying, you, you know, that <clears throat> other things need to be tweaked, as you put it. Um, you know, sometimes you have a problem and, and the general response is chant Prabhu, chant more, more seriously, more sincerely, more rounds even. And that'll that'll sort it all out for you. But but it's <laughs> there's other things there that need to be looked at. And, um, and, and the way we see it is that you really have to... Um, answer solve your own problems answer your own questions because you, you may put it to someone like a senior devotee and, and i have this problem and they say well okay this is what you need to do and this is how you need to think and it's it's all about top-down passive listening where you're receiving this knowledge and and you're supposed to say okay you're right now i'm going to try and put that into practice but if it's not coming from within you all too often it's in one ear and out the other um, it's like, or you may think, right, that's what I'm going to do from, from now on, you know, but that resolve pre pretty quickly crumbles because underlying it are these doubts and confusions that haven't been addressed. And the only person who can actually address them is you. And, and the thing about the discussions is that is what we're trying to, to do, to bring that out. We're, we're trying to learn how to think, not what to think. It's about think for yourself. You know, so when, when we do the discussion, um, we will understand and then we'll reflect that back. And then does, does it, do you have any doubts or confusions? Yes. Why does Prabhupada say women are less intelligent? What's less intelligent about them? I've got a degree. My husband's got nothing or whatever. You know. So then you reflect that back. You say, so you think that women are more intelligent than men or they can be uh, and so on. And yeah, that's right. That's it. And, and then, you know, as, as, as they work through these doubts and bring them out and you give them the psychological space um, to, you know, to bring all this out, then at the end of it, you say to them, well, do you have any light? Do you have any um, answers to this in, uh, for yourself? And then they're forced to think, well, yeah, what, you know, why do you, you know, why, why, why did Prabhupada say that? What really did he mean? You know, so then they answer their own doubt. And then when they answer their own doubt, it's cleared. It's gone. It's not like I, I could be saying to my wife, well, the thing is, the reason why Prabhupada's saying that is because of this, that, and the other. And there's so many, you know, and you don't understand. Prabhupada was really, you know, he was always so kind to women and this and that. But the doubt is still there in the heart. It's, it's not going to change that person. They have to change themselves. And that's what this process does. Wow. That's brilliant. I love what you said about that it has to come from you because if it comes from someone else top down just one ear out the other but it has to be kind of like it's like vigyan right it has to be kind of realized knowledge yes. or experience right yeah uh, well, something i want to address is also you were saying um earlier mataji about that uh there were times where maybe you would that there can be disagreements with among devotees or even with Srila Prabhupada, like oh i don't know why he said this or something mm -hmm. like that Let's talk a little bit about that because that's a that's a very interesting uh, interesting point because usually we're we're told that okay everything that's there in the books is uh, is we have to agree with and also uh, maybe that we have to agree with each other at all points in time 
So where do, how do we address that? This I is- love your questions, Ross, I really do. I had a whole lot of things fair, prepared I want to say, and now I don't want to say any of them. I just want to go with your questions. To be fair, Christian Darber sent me some beautiful points, so it's uh, it's all his. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, Swami, did you want to address No, this? no, you go ahead. You start. I've just spoken. Okay. You speak. Okay. Um, so we're talking about disagreements. Yeah. Now, normally we're told that if the temple authority says something to you or the GBC says or Prophet says it, it's yes, sir, I agree, sir, you know, whatever you say, sir. Right. So um, this is the stage of Sarusanga. Sarusanga, there's a difference between Sarusanga and after Diksha. I mean, of course, Sarusanga can continue through Diksha, but Sarusanga, there's not hierarchy. That's why when Prabhupada said in that one lecture I listened to, now you have heard what is Swamiji saying? This was an early lecture. They weren't initiated. And he was saying, now you've heard, and you should ask, do I agree with Swamiji or don't I agree? He said different things for after they're initiated. After you're initiated, now you've done your sadhusanga. Now you have determined, I accept this person as greater than me. This person is qualified to solve the problems of my life. That's why Arjun stopped doing sadhusanga with Krishna and went into, I want to take you, accept you as my guru. Now I'm not going to have a different perspective. Because at the stage of sadhusanga, I'm allowed to disagree with you, and you're allowed to disagree with me. It doesn't matter if I've been in the movement 40 years. You've not accepted me as your Diksha guru. We're allowed to have our different perspectives. And as long as once we accept as Diksha, the etiquette is, unless we just want to make a joke out of Diksha, now you say to me, this snake is a rope. Yes, sir. This snake is a rope. And then you turn around and say, no, it's a snake. Yes, sir. It's a snake. But not before Diksha. Diksha happens after you've done, used your own intelligence to decide, I want to surrender my intelligence to this person. This person, if I accept whatever he says, can liberate me. But you don't just jump to that by force or intimidation or in some kind of institutional uh, mandate. That comes from within your own heart after you've done sufficient. And what's sufficient may be different for you and for me. Mm. What you've done sufficient sarasanga where there isn't that hierarchy there isn't that expectation you know and that's also with Prabhupada now as it so happens I'm at a stage where Prabhupada says that I may not understand it but I think I'm probably not understanding it if I understood it I'd always agree with him but when I was faithless I didn't have that feeling towards Prabhupada and Prabhupada was the first one who said to me that's okay you don't have to We'll just do sarusanga. Just do sarusanga with me, and you can say what you disagree with. So that change should happen organically, voluntarily, and naturally from within ourselves, where our relationship with any specific individual morphs from sarusanga, where there isn't rank pulling, to a shiksha or diksha relationship, where now I voluntarily submit to you. Mm. It shouldn't be five forced. Then we create a situation which is rife, ripe for abuse. But if mm. we if we put the sarusanga in and allow those natural relationships to develop, there's not that much room for abuse. Yeah. And at the same time, we you know we have to train the critical faculty in our brain. Um uh, we find often that, that that's kind of gone a bit flabby for devotees. They're so um, accustomed to a culture of passive hearing. 
of this hierarchical um, descent of knowledge that I, I just sit there in the class, mute, listening. And perhaps if I'm lucky at the end, there's five minutes for questions. And really, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's no opportunity for discussion. I mean, when I sit through a class so often, I hear things and I think, oh, wait a minute, I really want to say something about that. I don't agree with that. Let me, you know, but there's no opportunity for that. Um, and I see that, you know, devotees are just sitting there listening and that they're not being trained how to think for themselves to the critical faculty that that you really should keep even after you've accepted a guru that critical faculty should still be working it's there it's not like you know you're, you're challenging everything the guru says but if he says something that you're not sure about you should be able to say well how can that be true you, you've got to the point there where you don't say is that true you know it, it's like well it must be true but how is it just, just like we do with Prabhupada? You know, if we read something in Prabhupada's books, it doesn't make sense. We don't think, oh, he's just got it wrong. We think, well, must be true. How can it be true? So, so that, but that's using the critical faculty. And before, as my wife was saying, before we get to that stage where I now accept this person, like I accept Srila Prabhupada, in other words, I think that he's infallible. And therefore, I will, you know, just consider how his statements are true not if they're true before we get there we should be saying um using that to say well i don't know if i agree with that at all you know that just it, it's and and so we're with this process of discussion as we are um trying to well we practice it of course and trying to teach others this is what you learn Prabhupada says that you have to be trained in the culture of good association and, and devotees train you in, in this, in, in how to do that. In, and, and that entails how to hear. Hearing is, you know, you may think, well, anyone can hear. I just got to sit there. But it's not so straightforward. You know, the, 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 you, you have to learn how to hear, how to keep the brain awake. Um, and when you're sitting there and you know that I'm going to have to reflect this back to the other person, uh, I'm going to have to say what I've understood, then you've got to engage the brain. You've actually got to start thinking about it. And, and if you know at the end of it, I'm going to be, the question's going to be asked, well, you know, how do you understand that? You know, how, how would you answer that question? Then, you know, you're really forced to start using that muscle, that thinking muscle, um, which frequently is, is really left to go flabby um in in iskon and in, in you know all religious organizations where they have this hierarchical structure and i'm just looking up to someone and they're just telling me everything mm. i just so can i just um add now russ because you said we could do this uh, yeah. to support my husband's point sure Papa sure. uses two phrases which we really like i mean we like everything Prabhupada says but these two phrases we reiterate a lot one is Prabhupada said you should everyone in Iskon should be trained to be independently thoughtful but not speculators, not speculators. How should we learn to independently think? Through the eyes of Shastra. We have to train devotees, and this is what Sadhu Sangha does when it's done properly. Sadhu Sangha trains everyone to be independently thoughtful and Shastra Chakshush, to think for themselves through the eyes of scripture. And if you have a society of people who are trained to be independently thoughtful through the eyes of scripture, you have very powerful preaching. We have people who know how to apply the principles of Krishna consciousness in any field in the world to any problem and also how to protect our movement from internal and external abuse because now people are not blind followers, they're independently thoughtful and seeing through the eyes of scripture. And Prabhupada wanted Iskand. He said this is the primary duty of the GBC 
to train every devotee in their zone to be independently thoughtful and Shastra Chakshush. I guess the question that comes for while you were speaking is that, okay, after Diksha, then it's like, it should be, okay, this person's higher than me and I, and I, you know, I take them as an authority and, but the, the truth or not the truth, but the reality of the situation is sometimes devotees take initiation when they're quite young, when they're kind of immature. And as time goes on, there may be disagreement there that they cannot maybe reconcile. And so how is it, how do we deal with that? I mean, because it's, that's not, that's not, an, that's not yeah. an ideal relationship, right? No, correct. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, Namaste, uh, you're saying that the, there are situations where people accept spiritual masters whom they later find that they disagree with, or, you right. know, they think, well, I, I can't accept what he's saying. Um, Cause they, they'd been initiated when they were young and little immature um, and, and things change. And, and that is quite a common phenomenon um and and what 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 we're trying to do Prabhu, we're advocating for a different culture where right now you come to iskon and what do you discover uh, very soon after you enter the temple you find out oh there's gurus and i, I need to accept one of these gurus that it, you know it's going to be um very clear devotees already who already have gurus are going to be um talking about this spiritual master my guru Maharaj said this and my guru Maharaj said that different ones and and very quickly you're introduced to the idea i need to be initiated because obviously our whole philosophy is predicated on that assumption that you you surrender to a spiritual master which is fair enough um but we feel that this is premature that before that should even be you know on the table to be thought about you have to go through this process of sadhu sangha this is the beginning and um and establish a relationship with Prabhupada, the foundational spiritual master through his books and develop a natural gradually develop a natural relationship with someone who really is helping you in your spiritual life because the kind of scenario you're talking about is what i'm just mentioning where they think mm, like chocolates in a box there's this one there's that one and there's the other one which one shall i choose you know, he looks really good. Oh, he gave a great class. No, I'll, now I'm aspiring for such and such Swami. He's never met you. You've never met him. He doesn't know anything about you. You know, out of the blue, he gets a letter. Can I aspire for your, whatever it is they say, uh, you know, to become your disciple? And of course, he's going to say, well, okay, you know, if he's still accepting disciples, whatever. But, you know, there's no real relationship there. Um, and, and, and it's a little, you know, skew whiff. It shouldn't be like that. You should be starting off by sadhu sangha, and when and when you've developed discernment, you've diksha should take place in bhajana kriya. Sadhana, you know, first of all, sadhu sangha, anatta navriti, and some way down the line, when you've actually developed your discernment, your discrimination, you know, Prabhupada says that how can you buy gold if you don't know what gold is? If you if you haven't understood the characteristics of gold. It, it it's a crazy situation we have right now if you think about it carefully because we you know we overlook that we i mean the gbc they they have oversight over the whole process of diction they're not going to let that go they, they want to make sure that they have the final say on who can be a spiritual master and who can get initiated and everything else they've got pretty tight controls over that but why because if that's required that means that 
devotees are taking initiation before they should be doing so because they should be at the point where they don't need that oversight where they now have the discernment the discrimination to make a wise decision as wise as possible obviously there's no you know i mean obviously anyone could fall down and and, and even you've done your very best due diligence and everything but there's much less chance of it and the relationships are going to be much more real genuine authentic and meaningful than they are at the moment you know so i mean this opens up another whole can of worms which i don't yeah. want to get get into here but you can see where i'm going I, I would you mind if i added to this because it's such yeah, an please. interesting point sorry yeah, um you know a year or so ago i was listening to the honest man's po podcast because my son was on it and um so they raised this question that you know, they not raised this question, they, they honestly, because the honest men admitted that many initiated devotees are breaking directive principles. So should they be taking initiation or not? And some of them, citing Shastra and speaking very learnedly, said, um, yeah, yeah, we should, because by taking initiation, then we, um, it, you know, we realize that we can't follow it, and then we start trying to follow it, and we get the inspiration from the initiation so initially, when we're initiated, we won't be following the principles. But anyway, this was their argument. And I've heard other people argue similarly that the very act of initiation gives you the strength to follow the principles. All that says to me is if you've not really thoroughly read and understood Prabhupada's books. Because if you have, you would read statements like this. This is from Canto 2, Chapter 9, Text 43. And there are many such statements. Prabhupada says, one who is not self-controlled, um, let me just... Uh, so reduce the so I can see it. Sorry. He says, one who is not self-controlled, specifically in sex life, can become neither a disciple nor a spiritual master. One must have disciplinary training in controlling speaking, anger, the tongue, the mind, the belly, and the genitals. You shouldn't even be a disciple. What to speak of a spiritual master if you're still having problems with pornography or anything else like that right. he said before you even think about initiation you should have controlled yourself your senses and and if you the way you control your senses the 11th canto chapter 3 text 30 says how do you control your senses let me just um, find that verse if we can get the um 11 330 it says i want to get verbatim once you learn uh, how to discuss the glories of the Lord here. One should learn how to associate with the devotees of the Lord by gathering with them to chant the glories of the Lord. This process is most purifying. As devotees thus develop their loving friendship, they feel mutual happiness and satisfaction. And by thus encouraging one another, they are able to give up material sense gratification, which is the cause of all suffering. That's Sadhu Sangha. It's not through diksha that we learn how to give up our uh, sense gratification. It's not diksha that empowers us. It's sadhu sangha that empowers us. That's why it's adoshada sadhu sangha, bhajana kriya, and then way into bhajana kriya should come initiation. When once your senses are controlled, and this is making cheats out of us. We're not promises. You make a vow, and you don't follow your vow. You're not a gentleman. And not only is it a problem for the disciple who's breaking his vows, because now he's got two problems to think about: the sin. Sins are not, we can overcome sin, but the offense, the offense of taking, making vows that he doesn't keep. 
And it's also a problem for the guru because this is what Prabhupada says about the guru who, who has such disciples. I just want to cite you directly from Prabhupada's books, um, what Prabhupada says. This is from Canto 4, chapter 20, text 14. Similarly, if a spiritual master cannot direct his disciples to become free of sinful activities, he becomes responsible for their sinful acts. The current system is giving a lot of bad karma to the gurus whose disciples are breaking and it's making dishonest men and offenders out of cheating disciples who shouldn't be taken. They're not ready. They could be ready if we improve the Sadhu Sangha. Let's yeah. bring in the Sadhu Sangha. Let's induct people into Sadhu Sangha. And then the diksha will happen organically, naturally, and correctly. So you're saying that... Um... Before someone takes initiation, one should understand the books yes. and have that sadhu sangha before and, and fully understand, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, like what one's going to get oneself into when becoming yes. a disciple. And, and have a relationship up. with the person. You've developed your sadhu sangha right. relationship with that person. At least Bhagavad Gita we should understand. If we understood if the first three chapters of the Gita, people wouldn't be jumping into these relationships the way they did. If you answer the first, first, you know, if you understand at least the first six chapters, you would you would be much better prepared. Right. Understand. I'm not saying rote learning. And if you if you develop that your understanding, and the person who you eventually took diksha from was one of the people whom you discussed with, you'd have a very um, fulfilling relationship with the person. I think it would also protect the gurus because why do we fall down? Why have gurus in Iskon fall down? Because they're not getting taste from their Krishna consciousness. But if you're doing sadhu sangha, loving, cultivating loving relationships, both the guru and disciple feel fulfilled. Everyone's mm. experiencing fulfillment through correct sadhu sangha. You have genuine relationships, genuine bonding, fulfilling. So I think it would protect everyone. When when you say sadhu sangha, when we say sadhu sangha, we usually understand it as like what Krishna Dharma Prabhu was saying, some like top down, listening mute, listening to the class. I'm okay. I'm cool with that. I like that. But the what what you're saying is that it's it it's sadhu sangha, not necessarily like okay. I'm going to seek out some advanced advanced Vaishnava and hear from them. But it's something that it's like with your with your immediate family? It's or, both, you know, Naras. It's both. Yeah. But who is that advanced devotee? Can, I'm sorry, Swami. Do you mind if I say this? I don't mind. Okay, thank you. Canto 4, Chapter 22, Text 22, tells us the caliber of sadhu. The topmost yogi, the verse says, the topmost yogi who has an established relationship with Krishna. And Prabhupada says many times, he said in this one um, interview with a uh, journalist, what will happen to the movement when you die, Prabhupada? Prabhupada said, I will never die. I will live in my books. The Sadhu Sangha, we're talking about that caliber devotee like Prabhupada, the topmost, who has an established relationship with Krishna, not an advanced sadhaka who's at Ashakti or Ruchi or even Baba, the person who's already entered into his relationship with Krishna. That is the Sadhu. The Canto 4, Chapter 22, Text 22 says we should seek out. And how do we do Sadhu Sangha? The way Prabhupada told us, by discussing his books. When we come together and discuss his books without rank pulling, that's called Sadhu Sangha. When we discuss his books and one is established as the guru 
and the other is the disciple. That's no longer Sarusanga, that's now um, Guru Sangha. Now this is a different, mm. this is a, the dynamic changes. Mm. But that dynamic should change from within one's heart. It should start with Sarusanga, where you're allowed to say, well, I'd sit differently, Prabhu, and the person consistently helps you to see things in a way that you think, wow, that was that was amazing. I would never have thought of it like that. Not once, not twice, but consistently. And, and then you begin to feel this person, I can really trust them. This person really loves me and this person is really helping me. Then you voluntarily choose to shift that from Saru Sangha to Guru Sangha. Mm. It shouldn't just be foisted on us. And there's no real relationship. There's no real faith. There's no taste. There's no sense control. We're just making a mockery of the diksha process. Mm. Yeah, and I, I wanted to add something as well, if I may, Prabhu, which is um, you were saying that um, Sadhu Sangha generally means, uh, in, in you know general parlance, devotees believe that, that I'm hearing from a sadhu, from my spiritual master, or even a senior devotee whom I respect like that. And you're okay with that. You're, you, you like that. Um, but you're saying, are we saying that uh, that, should not be um, you know should be changed to something else and um so i, I just wanted to make a couple of points about that which is that um of course it's fine you know if devotees are giving classes and they're very learned and they're you know expounding things that they've understood and realized and stuff fine but you know um a, a couple of points come to mind one is that as i was saying earlier that hearing can be you know we have to be able to hear properly what I've experienced is I've been in classes that have been very good classes given by some very learned devotees. And at the end of it, the devotees are saying, wow, great class for you, wasn't it? And, I, and I've conducted experiments and said, well, yeah, what did you understand? What were the main points you picked up? Whoa, so many. It was great, you know. <laughs> and it's like they haven't really absorbed an awful lot. Um, and even if they did, you know, the, the Lord Kapila explains in the third canto that hearing can be done in the three modes of nature. We can hear in goodness, passion, and ignorance. You know, it's like um, hearing in ignorance means, uh, I, I, you know, I, I hear Prabhupada talking in the class about Yamunacharya. Now I spit on the thought of sex life. So for a while, the brahmacharis in, in the temple were spitting at women. <laughs> you know, thinking that, that, at that, the brahmacharis. At the brahmacharis. <laughs> what they'd heard and understood was that the, the, the woman herself is the problem and i spit on it and so <laughs> you know literally this was going on so that's hearing in the mode of ignorance and hearing in the mode of passion is interpreting it in a different way that it, i you know i can use this for my own fiduciary gain or for my own pecuniary gain you know i can get some material gains out of it um that's hearing in the mode of passion but hearing in the mode of goodness is another thing uh, and we're not all capable of doing that but when we discuss together it really assists that process because as well as hearing, we're repeating. So then what did I understand? Now I repeat, I, I say what I've understood and when it comes out and I'm, I can see and I think, gosh, is that what I really think? <laughs> is that what I really understand? Especially when I hear it reflected back to me by another person, I then have a chance to adjust the way I've understood things um, and you know, get to a deeper, this, this is the point of Vada discussion. Vada means which is, aiming at the conclusive truth and for that we need help we need discussion and in the classes that opportunity is just not there 
I mean, you know, as well as I do, some, I mean, one senior devotee, a spiritual master said to me, I don't take questions anymore because they're just so left field all the time. You know, they just get all these crazy questions at the end of the class. I haven't got time to deal with it. You know, another spiritual master we spoke to recently said, I've given up giving classes. I don't give them anymore. I think they're a waste of time, you know, because they're, they're, <laughs> it's not really working. It, it, you know, it's not having much effect on the hearers. Um, they, they put their hand up at the end and they ask a random question, which has nothing to do with what was said in the class. Yeah. Um, and whereas others who really wanted to discuss some points in that class don't get an opportunity. And the real thing we're not getting the opportunity to do is to repeat what we've understood because you learn like that. It's third person learning this kind of repetition and having it reflected back and then, you know, churning it, churning the Shastras. This is the process that we need. I, I mean, it's okay that people are giving class and that can also be there. We're not saying stop that. We're just saying, add this, put this in place. If you can do it during the Bhagavatam class, all well and good, wonderful. If it can't be done then, at least find some time to do this. Right. Probably uh, called it Istagosti. Right, right, Istagosti. Uh, I just want to t tell our listeners, we'll be taking questions uh, in a little while. So if you'd like to put your questions in the comment section, we'll be addressing them. So please do that if you're listening to this and you have any questions for uh, our guests here. Um, I was thinking maybe, can we do like a mock, like really shortly, a mock discussion, like how you would do it? Because we're talking a lot about doing this discussion, but maybe like how it looks like in real life. We could just try it now. I, I, absolutely now, Russ. I and mean, just for anyone who would like to see a full discussions, we put several discussions now, both between ourselves and with that, that we do with other people on our website under the vid, video menu. So to show people what the dynamics looks like. Okay. Okay. Uh, should, should we do it now as well? Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, or? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Let me, let me share my screen here. We can. Okay. All right, so here's a verse. It's just a rant. I just put up, pulled can up. Can you tell me what it is? Because I can't see that. I, yeah, let me, I, can I can make it bigger here. Could... Uh, if you tell me which verse it is, because that oh, okay, might yeah, help. it's um nine sixteen twenty three. Shema Bhagavatam. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking in this direction because my screen. Um, okay, uh, so how nine, would the, let's start nine, from the top? Like, how would this? Yeah, Canto, Canto nine. nine. Uh, chapter, chapter 16, 16. text 23. So like, you, I'm at your did house. Did you choose that arbitrarily or? Yeah, no, I, I, it totally arbitrarily. Yeah. Okay. So we we're I'm just sitting with you and I'm ready to do a discussion. So how, how would it go? Okay. Would you mind if the two of us conduct it and then, please, uh, yes, and then, yes, okay. yes, please go the ahead. Swami, who wants to be the facilitator and who wants to start with the understanding? Okay, so um, would you like to uh, tell me what you understand? Okay, so shall I read the first sentence? We just do sentence at a time. Yeah, I'll we do it. We, actually, we do. I just say we do it point by point, but often that uh, that is just one sentence because Prabhupada makes some very succinct points. But it can be more than one sentence if you see that you know he's making one point in several sentences. But if you know, sometimes we'll just do half a sentence or even a few words where there may be a point. Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, so I start from the translation? Yeah. Yeah. Thereafter, having completed the ritualistic sacrificial ceremonies, Lord Parashram took the bath known as the Abhabrita Snana. 
Standing on the bank of the great river Saraswati, cleared of all sins, Lord Parashram appeared like the sun in a clear and cloudless sky. Okay, I'm, so just do the first sentence. Therefore, after completed, after having completed the ritualistic sacrificial ceremonies, so uh, Lord Parashram took the bath known as the Abhabrita Snana. So that sentence, in my own words, understand there were some uh, yankyas, Vedic yankyas, maybe Harvans that Lord Parashram did. There were ritualistic sacri sacrificial ceremonies, understand to me, Vedic um, yankyas. Um, he did those, and when they were finished, uh, this is Parashram, he uh, took the bath. He did a very specific type. He bathed in the river in a very specific way. Um, the specific method of bathing is called Avabrita Snana. So that is the, a very specific kind of bath you take at the end when you've finished a ritualistic ceremony. So I just did the first sentence, Rami. Sure. <laughs> so um, you're saying that um, thereafter, you're doing this sentence, thereafter having completed the ritualistic sacrifice ceremonies, Lord Prashram took bath, known as the Avabrita Snan. So you're saying that the ritualistic sacrificial ceremonies, you understand, um, refers to a Vedic uh, Havan, um, so, some kind of um, Vedic sacrifice prescribed in one of the Vedas, one of the four Vedas or something. Um, yes. So he, he performed those. And then after that, he took bath. And But it wasn't, he just dived in and, you know, swam around and came out. There was uh, a particular methodology in this bathing, um, which is called avabritta. There's a certain kind of bath, uh, which you understand is called the avabritta snana. You understood perfectly. And I'd just like to look at this word thereafter. Thereafter is linking this verse to the, what's gone on previously. So some um, pastime has been explained. And I'm, I'm wondering whether it's the pastime of having killed all, all yeah. the kshatriyas. Yeah. Uh, he's killed all the Kshatriyas, and after he killed them all in battle, he would do a sacrifice, and then he would have his bath. So thereafter, mm. saying after the killing, this is what he did. Okay, um, yeah. So you're saying that um, thereafter, um, this verse begins with. So that's obviously referring to uh, some previous event that had occurred, um, and you're uh, understanding. It could possibly be that after he'd killed all the Kshatriyas, um, he then took his bath. So uh, that was, perfectly. yeah, they did the sacrifices. Yeah. Do you have any additional or different understanding? Uh, no, I don't. Do you, you have, have a response? Re I don't have a response. Um, response, uh, um, is when we ask different questions or we have insights. I don't have any response. It makes, it makes sense to me. I don't have any doubts or confusions. Nor do I think it has any pertinence to me. No. Okay. So then we just move on from there and we do the next sentence. And then, um, you know, if, if we come to a point which doesn't make sense, then we'll raise a doubt. So, uh, you know, how is this? Uh, like Lord Parashurami killed all the Kshatriyas 21 times. So what does that mean? You know, I, I, how do I understand that? Did he... Um, you know, 21 gen did he wait for the next generation to grow up and then he killed them all again and then he waited again for another 30 years and then killed them all again? Or, or what? So you're making, you're, you're, are you asking that question, Swami? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to explain to Namras okay. Prabhu how the discussion, the mechanics of it, that in this particular case, we don't have any doubts or confusions, but I'm giving a hypothetical possibility of, you know, 
if we'd been discussing previously that point about him killing the Shaktris, it may have brought a doubt up or a question like that yeah. that we would that we'd then ask. You know, I'm not saying I have that doubt now. Or that we ask of... those questions during what we call a response. So we do an understanding, yeah. and then when the understandings are finished, both have done their understanding, we go into a response. So the, the response, if there is no response, we just carry on with the next sentence. But if there is something that we're doubtful about or we're confused about or it doesn't sit well with us morally, and, yeah. you know, or if it's kind of like maybe we have an insight, a lesson that we feel we can learn from this, then yeah. we'll bring that in all in the response. I have That's a few one observations of the, about yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. One, of, one is that there's been so many times where I've read like for an hour and then if someone and then I, I imagine if someone came up to me and said hey what did you what what stood out to you when you read when you read that for an hour i can't tell them one point but with the, <laughs> the way you're doing it is like even in such a simple point as this of, of a british nun like i'll i'll like an hour can go by and I'll and I, because because it was discussed so much or discussed kind of in a deeper way I can kind of you know pull out things that I remember yes, um, exactly. is that one of the goals absolutely there? right and then yeah. you can remember it in life as well when you're in crisis you'll be able to remember the things that apply to your life mm. the Bhagavad Gita begins to become a guidebook that you can actually use because now you're remembering because you've discussed it Mm. and yes. you discuss and as part of our response we have a section where we do a so what it's the very last mm. question we ask it's called so what so yeah. what means so what difference does it make to me in my life why is Prabhupada we, telling me why is he telling me this you know yeah, why, how can it help me in my life mm. that's it how can this help me in my how life can, what does Prabhupada expect me to do what you know it's like he, he, why did he why did he say this he's not just writing these books to pass the time away he's a, you know he's wanting us to transform how does he want me to change as a result of reading this? I mean, like my wife was just saying, sometimes it's just information. Um, in this particular case, there's information being given, and it may not be pertinent to us. You know, we're not going to be killing all the shakshas of the world 21 times <laughs> and then having to take the, and so on, do the sacrifices. But, you know, uh, obviously much of it, and in this purport, there are so many wonderful instructions which are pertinent to us. So right. we're trying to, like mine out it's like we're miners mining out lumps of gold and diamonds from Prabhupada's purports yes I guess another observation is that you would probably go slower into like if you're if your goal is to like read a, a, a you know a quantity then this is probably not the best way because it's probably I imagine it goes slower than a normal if you're just reading it on your own yeah yeah it, sorry, sorry, did you want to answer that or can I? Go ahead, go ahead. You're absolutely right now, Ras Prabhu. You know, we don't recommend this for new people. Mm. New people get the overview, read it, go, go, you know, get some familiarity, read the Gita a few times. You can use some of the principles we say, just like whatever you read, you read a purport and then say in your own words what you remember from that purport, maybe not sentence by sentence. But now we've read it a few times. Now we're going back now for personal transformation, now scrutinizingly. And there's many places where I'm, I'm repeating verbatim what Prabhupada said. He says, if you understand one word, it will change your life. What is the use of reading so many books and you don't understand anything? If you understand one word, it will change your life. So that's now for a deeper study. It's a little bit like Lord Chaitanya cleansing of the Gundicha temple. First time around, you just get out the big stuff. You know, chuck out the 
all the tables and chairs have been left lying around and all the big bits of dust on the floor. Now, the second cleansing is now you're really going in depth. So first time you read it or second time, get your overview, get your overview. But then go through and discuss like this, thread band, you begin to see transformation. Prabhupada says we, Krishna consciousness should be making us into a different person, a purified version of ourselves. If there's no change taking place within us, within our character and our habits and everything else, we're not doing it right. But this helps that transformation. It's a can very we, important part. Can we do a sentence from this purport where there might be a response? I want to see what that looks like. Sure. A response like, or a doubt or something. Maybe Swami would, you, Swami, would you like to choose the sentence and you start and I reflect back to you? Okay. Um, let me just have a look. Uh, okay. Um, so there's a couple of sentences. Therefore, uh, the whole problem of life is this repetition of birth and death. Where is that, Therefore, Swami? Uh, it's a, two sentences down, three sentences from the top. The whole, okay. The whole problem of life is this repetition. Therefore, okay. Therefore, one is advised to work to perform yajna meant for satisfying Lord Vishnu. Okay. You start and I'll reflect back. Okay. Um, so I understand Prabhupada saying that... Um, which the sentence you... the whole problem of life okay, okay. so uh, by that i understand he's he's saying that this is this is the real problem you know that you may say i've got oh, I, my problem is i don't have enough money i need a better house i need i need another car my you know i need, I need to change my my wife my husband that's not your problem Prabhupada's saying the problem you're facing imminently is the repetition of birth and death that you're in a material body you're going to die, and you're going to take another birth, and then you're going to die again, and you're going to take another birth. This is the problem you have to solve. Okay, so you, you focus a lot first on the whole problem of life. So the whole problem, you would put in your own words, is this is the main issue. This is the main problem that you're, you're facing. Your main problem isn't you don't have enough money to buy that new car or your wife argues with you or whatever. That's not your actual problem. The actual problem facing you in life is that you're going to die and then you're going to take birth again and then you're going to die again and then you're going to take birth again. Um, this is what you are faced with. This is the actual calamity, if I was to put that in my own words, the actual calamity that you face that you have to solve. Did I understand exactly. you correctly? You did. Thank you very much. Would you like to say more? Uh, I'll do the next one. Okay. Well, if you, because I think the whole the two are together. Sure. Um, therefore, one is advised to work to perform yajna to satisfy Lord Vishnu. Okay, so by therefore, I understand Prabhupada saying, "Here is the solution." You know that this is your problem. So therefore, okay, that means that now I'm going to tell you what to do about it. What am I going to do about it? You should work to perform yajna meant for satisfying Lord Vishnu. Can, I, uh, can you just stop in short sound bites, please? I'm going to, yeah, so go ahead. Okay. So you first picked up on the word therefore. So therefore is connecting the solution he's going to give in this sentence to the problem he gave in the past sentence, in the last sentence. The last sentence he gave the problem, the calamity that faces us, and he's saying, this is the calamity, this is the solution. This is this, uh, the word therefore is making that connection. Did I understand you correctly? You did, yes. Would you like to say more? Um, one is advised, thank you, uh, to work, to form yoga. So 
We're advised in the Bhagavad Gita because he started the purport by citing the verse which tells us that that's what we should do. So I understand that by doing this yagya of sacrifice for the pleasure of Vishnu, I will solve my the problem of birth and death. Okay, so one is advised. Where is one advised? In, this, in the first sentence of this purport, Prabhupada is referring to that sentence. We're advised in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 3, text 9, Yagyata Kama Nanyetra. That's where we're advised. What does the Bhagavad Gita tells us, tell us to do? What does the Bhagavad Gita tell us is the solution to this calamity of birth and death? The solution is do your work as a sacrifice for Vishnu. Mm. And that will stop this repetition of birth and death. Did you I understand understood. you correctly? You, you did, yeah. Okay, I agree. Have you got a, a, for any further understanding? I don't have anything to add. I'm happy to go to responses if you are. Yeah, sure. Okay, um, do you have any response? Well, my response would be that, well, well how does that work? Um, you, you know, that by performing Yagya for Lord Vishnu, what does it mean? Uh, you know, what, what exactly does that look like and, and how is it solving my problem? Okay, you're saying, how does that work? How does doing Yagya for Vishnu stop my taking birth and death? Did I send your question correctly? Yes, you did. Do you have a light on your question? Well, um, yes, I mean, uh, what I understand this to mean is that um, generally when we work, uh, we're doing it with a desire for the result. Um, you know, we, we're thinking, oh, I'm going to get nice salary, you know, or I'm, I'm going to get name, fame, and adoration here. I'm, I'm going to, you know, further my my um, my glories in this world, <laughs> whatever. Um, but Shastra is telling us, Bhagavad Gita is telling us, no, not, that, that shouldn't be the motive for work. Your consideration should simply be, let me please Lord Vishnu. Um, and, you know, I'm not, interested in any result for myself okay so you're saying when do we get karma that forces us to take repetition of birth and death we get karma which obliges us to take another birth when we work because we want to enjoy the fruit of the work now we have to receive the fruit i want the fruit of an increased salary um but this i'm going to put some of that in my own words i want to enjoy the good bits i have to take the bad bits with it so i I stepped on some people's toes to get that big salary. I have to get that bad karma too, that I have to now um, get another birth for. Um, but when I don't work for the fruit for myself, when I work just to satisfy Krishna, then I don't get any fruit, good or bad. I don't get any karma and I don't have to take birth again. Krishna it, takes the fruit, good and bad. Yes, Did I exactly. Did you correctly? Would you like to yeah. say more? Um, no, that, that 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 I think is the answer. Okay, I agree you with you. Do you have anything you want to say? Uh, no, but um, do we have any other responses, any insights, or, you know, any so what's that you want to take from this sentence? Uh, no, do you? I, actually, I have a question. Go ahead. I have a question. Uh, now, how do we do our work now here in the twenty? Is it? Are we still in the twenty-first? No, we're in the twenty-second century now. <laughs> anyway, whatever century we're in, um, here we are uh, in uh, London or in America, wherever we are. How do we do our work as a sacrifice for Vishnu? How do we do that? How do we try that? Is it just by me saying, "Oh, I think I'm good. I'm going to do this for Vishnu. This is for Vishnu." So how do we make that change so that we don't get the karma? Uh, so you're, you're saying um, uh, 
how, how you know, practically speaking, uh, how do we do our work? Um, you know, I, I may have a job. I'm going out and, and every day coming back at night. And I, so how do I turn that into yoga, into sacrifice for the pleasure of Lord Vishnu? You, you stood really well and you allow me to clarify. Thank you so much. That I may say it's for Vishnu, but in my heart, I still want that paycheck. You know, and I want that holiday. So I had, I, the thing is, I can't stop what's in my heart. I may say it's for Vishnu, but I can't stop the longing of my heart. So how do I actually make it so I don't want the fruit? Okay, so I understand you're saying that you, you can't just do this by lip service, that, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm going out to work and this is like, I'm doing this for Lord Vishnu, I'm not doing it for myself. But, you know, if, if I was to be uh, told you're not going to be paid, I, I'd, I'd soon stop doing the job because I need the money uh, and I so obviously I'm working for the salary um, so yeah how can that ever become sacrifice perfect and so perfectly so do you have a light yes uh, well my light is actually um, I want to read an evidence from Canto 2 chapter 1 text 5 so this is a purport which I think will really guide me Prabhupada says, one should not do anything, either good or bad, on his own account, but must execute everything on behalf of the Supreme Lord, the ultimate proprietor of everything that be. So that's what we're talking about. That's yagya. You don't do it for yourself. You do everything for Krishna. And Sorry, he, I want to interrupt. What, when you said you uh, you have a, a, a light, what does that mean exactly? Well, we, an answer, but we call it a light because Prabhupada uses this word light, different lights. And the reason we call it a light is it's, it may not be the full and perfect answer. I'm not God. I'm not an acharya. I have just, you know, one ray of light that can shine on it, one perspective. And we've started using that word. We, we use these words perspective, angles of vision, light, because right. these are all terms Prabhupada used. Uh, these are the quotes from Prabhupada that we heard. So now we use them. So you're so, answering in your perspective. I'm yeah. giving my perspective. But by using that these words, perspective and light, I think Prabhupada is helping us to realize that there may be other lights, there may be other perspectives. Right. I'm not trying to say this is this is it, the absolute truth, nothing but the truth, and anything other than this is, you know, this is just what what Krishna right. shows me. Right. Sorry to interrupt, please. No problem. So uh, yes. So first of all, Prabhupada is again establishing in this purport that we have to do everything as a yogi for Krishna without desiring anything, and then he says how to do it. This process of doing work is recommended in the Gita, uh, Bhagavad Gita 927. Also, when instruction is given for working on the Lord's account. And then, so he's saying, Bhagavad Gita establishes this in 927 too. And then he says, therefore, so if you want to work like this, now he tells us how to do it. Therefore, one should first of all hear about the Lord. When one has perfectly and scrutinizingly heard, one must glorify his acts and deeds. And thus it will become possible to remember constantly the transcendental nature of the Lord. Hearing about and glorifying the Lord are identical with the transcendental nature of the Lord. And by so doing, one will always one will be always in the association of the Lord. This brings freedom from all sorts of fear. The Lord is the super soul present in the hearts of all living beings. And thus by the above process, above and thus, by the above hearing and glorifying process, the Lord invites the association of all in his creation. This process of hearing about and glorifying the Lord is applicable for everyone, whoever he may be. 
and it will lead one to the ultimate success in everything in which one may be engaged by providence. There are many classes of human beings, the fruit of workers, the empiric philosophers, the mystic yogis, and ultimately the unalloyed devotees. For all of them, one and the same process is applicable for achieving the desired success. Everyone wants to be free from all kinds of fear, and everyone wants the fullest extent of happiness in life. The perfect process for achieving this here and now is recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is uttered by such a great authority as Srila Shukadeva Goswami. And then this last sentence, by hearing about and glorifying the Lord, all a person's activities become molded into spiritual activities. And thus all conceptions of material miseries become completely vanquished. So that was the Shastric evidence. And now I'd like to just formulate my thoughts that this is why Prabhupada gave us an ISKCON sandwich. And we can do this at home as householders that in the morning after chanting our rounds, we have a half hour Bhagavatam discussion. In the evening when we come home, we do a half hour Gita discussion. And this hearing about and glorifying Krishna invites the association of, of the Lord into our lives. And everything we're doing in the day, our, our whole mentality is being changed. And we'll be doing it as yagya, that without hearing about and glorifying Krishna properly, we cannot artificially in any other way change our work into yagya. But if we bring in Prabhupada's Iskon sandwich into our lives, then gradually our work will go from being fruitive to yagya. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do my best there. Um, so we well, don't have to give the evidence. I gave the evidence. Just oh, now. of course. Yeah, no, you, you read that amazing purple. That's such a stunning purple. That one is one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, and, and the, the essence of it is that how can we make our work um, sacrifice? And the answer is by hearing and chanting, by you know introducing into our lives um, this process of shravanam. Kirtanam, um, which is non-different from the Lord Himself, by you know, Prabhupada says that uh, it, it's it's the same as Krishna Himself. That hear and chant about Him, of course it is. And um, and if we do that, then everything we do, that any work we're engaged in by providence, um, you know, we'll, we'll become successful in that, and we'll we'll be able to remember the Lord in everything we do. So that um, you said, then that translates into for us the Iskon sandwich. In other words, morning and evening programs. So discuss in the morning the Bhagavatam, and in the evening the Gita, and do that every single day. Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya. So Nicham every single day, um, and then uh, we'll find that we'll you know our consciousness becomes suffused with Krishna. We begin to see Krishna in everything, and we begin to think in terms of you know acting for His pleasure always. Used it perfectly. Thank you. That's an answer to my question. We haven't quite finished, but uh, oh, sorry. Do, sorry. do you have no? You can take that down. We're just on our responses. Do you have oh, any okay. other doubts, Swami? Do you have any other questions? Do I have any other questions on that? No. Do you? Yes, I do. So, well, we've been doing it for a while, and we can do it every day. But we're both retired. You're not going to work. Uh, what about the couples who just can't do it? They've got small children. The husband has a. You know, it's just. Are we saying they're doomed? Yeah, so you're saying, um, well, it's all right for us because uh, we have all the time in the day, you know, when we don't have jobs. and um, But many people do, and they're very busy. Um, so how, how, how about them? You know, what opportunity do they have? Uh, 
are they finished you know because they they can't like we know people ha I, I was just talking to one devotee today he has to get out of the house by seven o'clock in the morning he's got to do everything get ready before that and he just doesn't have time for his sadhana so what about them mr perfectly thank you so do sure. you have a light yes i do my light is this <laughs> a light that, on our uh, darkness <laughs> a light on our darkness this is my light my light is that um when Prabhupada um, was told this by one of his initiated Indian disciples, his first initiated Indian disciple in London, Kishori Dakashai Vishnu, who was a working man with a family and a, and a business and everything else, Prabhupada said to him, then at least once a week on a Sunday, you come together with your family <laughs> and you discuss Bhagavad Gita. So we have to get it in, like in like a pin. And as your children grow up and you need to work less hard and you can start increasing it to more than once a week. But it has to come in like a pin and by the end of our lives, it will go out like a plow, taking all our natas with them. But we have to get it in at least once a week. We come together with the family. And that's that's supported by what Prabhupada said to Kishore Dekashaya Vishnu. Okay, um, so you're saying that, uh, yeah, you may not have time to do it every single day, but um you can certainly do it on the weekend on a sunday um and Prabhupada gave that instruction to kiradakshay vishnu uh, the gentleman here in london um that at least on a sunday come together with your family and do the discussion and you're saying that from that it can develop and build so in like a pin out like a flower yes. it just takes a little time but start somewhere do what you can yes at least you can do something Yes, perfect. And now, Ras Prabhu, if we were just at home and we weren't aware of the fact that you know there's viewers, and we would take a little pause now and research the database to find that letter. Whenever we cite an evidence, oh. we both pause. We go onto the database and we bring up the evidence because you know maybe I remembered wrong. Maybe the evidence is not there. So we always take time to. We remember the evidence, and we say, okay, let's, what search words do we look? We'd look up Vishnu once a week, Sunday, whatever, and we'd find the letter to show. And then yeah. we say, then we accept it as conclusive. Wow. Once we've got the evidence, and we think, okay, now it's conclusive. Absolutely fascinating the way you're discussing it. Uh, I, I, I'm observing it, and it's it's really fantastic. I was just thinking, just a really, a, a, a thought was that if, if, Perhaps maybe I don't know if you're into this, but in the future, if if you could do this like regularly and just have other devotees observe how you're doing it, like we in have a real, that. Oh, you, we oh, you have, have that. Okay. We have that. We put on our website. We first did we we video. It's, it's a bit awkward videoing our own morning discussions and evening right. discussions, but we did video like three or five or six of them. We put them up oh, just to okay. show how it's so easy. It's just half an hour in the morning and evening. But then um, I also do one hour, one and a half hours with, we have a group of ladies and I do one with a male devotee from South Africa. Mm -hmm. And we put all these discussions up on the internet, uh, up on our website, okay. but also on YouTube, Wonderful. on Facebook, uh, just so everybody can see how easy yeah. it is. I understand that because you you all are, are uh, you know, experienced devotees, but but how do you combat like for example like if I was doing it um, like just just to be totally honest here if I was doing it with Tulsi I would feel perhaps maybe sometimes she or I may speculate in some way 
Like, how do you combat against that? Because it's like we're we're younger, and we, you know, I'm more re- well read than she is. But but uh, how do you deal with that? I'm I'm sure if if you've ever dealt with that, because you know you know so much. But with speculation, I I could feel that maybe that might creep in. Very nice point. So yeah. would you mind if I uh, did you want to? Well, I'll say something. Then of course you can add whatever you like. But uh, one thing it says in the um. Bhagavad Gita, 17th chapter, when, when you're speaking in Vaishnav circles, you cite Shastra. So if you want to make a point of any kind, then you need to support that with some Shastric evidence. Um, if you're, you know, first of all, we're just doing our understanding of Srila Prabhupada, and that right. doesn't involve any speculation. The, the key thing is to stay very much focused on the sentence and try to understand. That takes some practice. Right. That takes some training because... The tendency is that you bring in your responses straight away, that you, you give your commentary immediately, um, and you're not really hearing it. You're hearing your own mind. As soon as you read something, it triggers something in your own mind. And, and if you're not trained to bracket that, to, to say, okay, I'll, I'll put that aside while I focus on the understanding, you mix up your response and your understanding, and it, that gets you nowhere. So... There has to be some training in that to begin with, um, and and that that you know that that helps to um, prevent this speculative tendency to start with. And then after that, if you want to respond, well, this makes me think of something else. This, that, and the other, and and you go off on a mind mapping exercise. Um, that also requires training to stop you from doing that kind of thing. Keep it to the point. Your response must be completely linked. You know, we, we heard that the way where we got this from, because we heard Srila Prabhupada giving a class a couple of times. He does this. And at the end of it, he asked for questions and up went some hands. And someone asked a random question. And Prabhupada said, why are you asking? This has nothing to do with the class, with what I've just said. Keep it to the point that the things I've spoken about. Um, and so that's what we train people to do, to ensure their response is connected to what they've read and if they want to give a realization this we call this an insight as well as doubts and confusions they may have an insight well this gives me an insight and this is what i think you know and then they they give their realization then um that would need to be supported by some kind of shastric evidence that corroborates at least what they're saying it's not just a flight of their own wonderful imagination or whatever yeah yeah. It does. Uh, it takes training. It takes training, essentially. Yes, yes. I, I loved everything my husband said, and I just want to follow up from that last point he made. It, it's most developed amongst the ladies around the manor community, because for many years my husband was working a job, whereas I wasn't was, um, for a little while, but not, not as demanding as his. So I was working with a lot of ladies, and it's not as developed with the men, unfortunately. But with the ladies, I remember when we started 20 years ago, like, when it came to that part finding evidences asking correct questions but through training now they all even ladies who before thought themselves i don't know anything now they're very adept at stopping the discussion finding thinking of keywords collaborate collaborating it becomes a collaborative effort everyone's trying to help the person find the evidence they want to find not an evidence to stop to block them but an evidence to help them and everyone collaborates and find evidences that may sh- support or the point, uh, or maybe go against the point. But we're all working together. We stop the discussion for five, ten minutes, and we're researching. 
And then when we find things, we bring our research together. Well, Prabhupada said hey, this here, this is, this is this supports your point with here. This brings up another point. So that requires a little training, uh, as my husband said, and learning the art of asking questions. That's a very fundamental part of the Imos. Um, we call our website now Imos, improving our Sarasanga. The acronym is Imos. Um, so useful tip 11 is all about how to ask questions, how to ask the correct questions that take you in and cover all aspects. Um, so that, as my husband said, all requires training. And training is not hard. We have the seminars on our website just getting you through the principles. And then if people want, we have enough ladies in this community where there's enough of them who are really good at doing it, who'd be willing to sit with other couples on the internet, on Zoom or StreamYard, and just help moderate your discussions until you begin to make these new habits your habits. It's one thing to know it, and nothing is to change our habits, but we have enough ladies in this community now to begin to start training uh, other couples and other other people. Really nice. Really, thank you so much. Let's take questions. We have about 50 people watching on different platforms that it's streaming right now. So uh, again, if you have any questions, uh, please put them in the, in, the, in the comment section. So let's start here. Which devotees do you think would be most benefited by this system of Sadhu Sangha and Shastra study and how to achieve that they embrace it? I guess she means how could you get people to do this technique? <laughs> Krishna okay. Premokati, a dear friend of ours. Harry <laughs> And she knows how to do it. Um, yeah, well, obviously, every devotee, all devotees, you know, from the youngest to the oldest, is, uh, will be benefited by this um, process. And uh, uh, you need like-minded partners. Um, perhaps, you know, you might find uh, helpful. Like, uh, But you can discuss with anyone, really, anyone who's willing to do it. If you can find one person who's willing to do it with you, um, then, you know, we can help. We can train. If you look at our website, improvingsangha.com, and look through the principles and the useful tips, those main uh, two, two uh, uh, sections will tell you pretty much everything you need to know. And then from there, you can contact us. We're always willing to help and coach. And she says about how to achieve that they embrace it, how to get them to actually take this up. You know, this is why we're so grateful that uh, Namaras Prabhu is allowing us. I think it's beginning to try to speak to devotees and help us to hear what Prabhupada is saying. There's so many quotes. We sent some of them to Namaras where Prabhupada says, if you're not interested in this, he says, if you're not interested in this, then you are finished. Prabhupada talks about temple devotees doing even deity worship. He says, if you're not interested in satsanga and discussion, he uses the word discussion, then even your temple, uh, your deity worship will not be shivigraha, it will be galagraha, it will be a burden around your neck. And he said, your so-called temple worship will be kami's work, just joint mess. He said, this is misguided policy. You're not interested in this discussion. It will ruin the whole thing. So I think realizing what we have to lose, we, we're making so much effort externally and we, we're leaving out a key ingredient. You know, this Sadhu Sangha is the key ingredient. Um, maybe my husband can help me cite the verse. It's not a verse I've remembered by heart, but Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, can you help me? But it's the Shabbat root cause. It is the root cause of devotional oh. service, that one. Oh, There's oh, a yeah, verse yeah. in the CC that says, yeah. Sadhu Sangha is the root cause yeah, of devotional yeah. service. Yeah. Um, and well, and then so on one side, realizing what we're losing, you know, and on the other side, realizing the benefits of it that, you know, for example, one of the first quotes, one of, um, 
when we started doing it, Prophet's Letters, the books of Prophet's Letters had come out. And for most of my life, I really struggled with depression, very, very serious depression. Now, I don't, I haven't for years now because of these discussions. So one of the first letters I read was Prabhupada reacting to a disciple of his called Bhagavatananda. And Prabhupada oh, said, I just, I just, I just sent that letter to someone yesterday. All right. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, such it's, a fantastic letter. Yeah. I want to, I want to share it because it's so, it's Prabhupada so said, good. Discuss, you know, well, we can read it then if you share it. He said, discuss my books from different lights of vision and all the difficulties of your mind will disappear forever. And you will see Krishna face to face. Well, I, I know I see the deity, but I'm not really having that experience of Krishna face to face. But that difficulties of my mind, it's, it's all gone. And so many devotees experience loneliness. We've been in the movement for 40, 50 years, and we feel we have no loving relationships. But this is how you build loving relationships. I'm sure Krishna Prema Bhatti will testify to that because she's been doing it for a little while now, how she's building loving relationships with the devotees. She's doing it. Right. So I think we're trying to just get these words, let Prabhupada speak for himself, you know, let devotees hear what he's saying about the, the dangers of not putting Sadhu Sangha in, Prabhupada said, everything will be finished. You know, you will become, your deity, everything will be Lagraha and it'll be Kami's work. And the positive benefits of doing it, they will become successful and happy, will, will be peaceful in our minds and have loving relationships. Then once devotees begin to become convinced of this, then hopefully they will start doing it. And God willing, one day it will come from our leaders. If the leaders start saying it, that it will move much faster. As long as it's just small devotees like us saying it, it will move slower, but we hope it to create a groundswell, a groundswell movement of devotees beginning to take shelter of Prabhupada's purports. Sorry, I'll let you share the letter. Yeah, no, I just want to read a few excerpts. It's just a brilliant letter. It's so hope-giving. Absolutely. Uh, but, first, but first, you have to agree to understand the process and follow it scrupulously. That is wanting. If I only think I know something, that is mental platform of accept, reject. And any knowledge gathered from the mental platform is like that, tottering and precarious. And it can be immediately rejected at any time. Krishna consciousness has a great potency to deliver us to the highest platform of perfection, but only if it is understood by the intelligence. Something understood by the intelligence is fixed forever and cannot waver. And that is almost spiritual. From your letter, I can understand you are confused in your mind because you do not want this. You do not want that. You might like another like that. That position of confusion is not very much desirable. So you are a Vaishnava. Now rid yourself of such misunderstanding of things. And then at the end, he says, nowadays, it seems many of your older disciples, sorry, many of the older disciples like yourself are having difficulty. If you do not set the example for the younger students and take the responsibility for instructing them in the right line, how will things go on? Try to always study our books and see our philosophy from different lights of direction. Become convinced yourself of this knowledge, and without a doubt, all of your difficulties of mind will disappear forever, and you will see Krishna face to face. That's beautiful. beautiful. Amazing. And it works. It really works. You ask anyone who does it, and it works. It's right. so easy. Right. Wonderful. Uh, uh, Krishna Bhair Prabhu, do you want to um, add any? Uh, sorry, Krishna Dharma Prabhu, do you want to add anything before I move on? No, no, take another question. It's fine. Okay. Uh, this scrutinizing of sentences is very powerful. Is it possible to do effectively by oneself with our individual reading or if mm. this type of sadhusanga is not available? 
Yeah, it is possible to do it. I think um, we, we've got something on the website that uh, yeah. instructs on that. Tell them where it is. It's under the videos, Discussing by Yourself. Uh, Hare Krishna, Lavangalatik Prabhu, what a good question. Uh, for the first two years, I did it myself. And at that time, it was kind of like spontaneously. I re later read statements by Prabhupada, which made me realize that somehow rather I'd been guided to do the right thing. So, right. Because when we talk to someone and they reflect back, it, we have to formulate our thoughts. And when we write, we have to do the same formulation. When we just sit and read and think in our heads, we're not really having to formulate our thoughts very clearly. So what I would do is write out, go through systematically, write out the sentence you want to understand, and then put it in your own words underneath. You know, unpack it, put it in your own words. And I have a video on the website under the video uh, menu, um, I think under the Imos seminars, and it's the very first one, doing it by yourself. So just have a book or part, whatever where you use it daily for doing half an hour, write the next sentence and just put it in your own words. It's not about covering lots of ground. It's now about making that connection with Krishna, making that connection. And then after you've done your understanding, you can put your questions one at a time and then research your answers. I also have a, um, well, we have a group on a, uh, Facebook called Shastra Discussion. It's only for devotees who use this methodology. So um, we're trying to create a community of devotees who will discuss using this method, not for people just any coming and asking random questions, philosophical questions, but who, who will write out the sentence, their understanding, their very specific question as guided by the Imos method. So if you want to become part of that, message us and, and we will, um, you can use that as one of the aids to your personal study. Mm -hmm. Um okay uh because i think it's the same uh, along the same lines could this be done well on online sanghas i would like to introduce this approach in our uh lancashire sangha how might i propose this to the group absolutely you can do it yeah i mean um we have we've been doing quite a bit of that um with devotees uh, but the the first thing is the the training um so we would recommend first of all going to the website and especially looking at the training videos in the video section as well as reading through the material that's on there um and uh yeah just you know ask all anyone you think might be interested in joining the discussion to do that if you all do that um and then uh, you can contact us I, I think you're in lancashire yeah we're you know <laughs> just down the road <laughs> Um, and, and we can help and guide and, uh, you know, we're, we're here for that. I mean, my wife is always very happy to, um, you know, give uh, coaching, online coaching and training. You know, um, th this is one reason we're really grateful to devotees like Nam Ras Prabhu and Chaitanya Sharan Prabhu for doing these um, these podcasts because you can use these kinds of podcasts to try to inter, uh, introduce it to your group and see if there'd be any other people who are interested and uh, even though i'm not doing all the training myself now we, amongst the ladies here there's quite a few ladies who've been trained over the last 20 years and they're all excellent excellent discussions and now they're learning to train others so if you let us know and um, then we can try to allocate to you um, right now, it's mostly ladies um, who will be allocated to you and help you and mentor you 
to begin to apply the principles, to go through the training seminars and then to begin to apply them. So we do ask you to go through the training seminars first. So you're very familiar with what Prabhupada is saying. You know, we're not speculating about anything. And then we do um, coaching sessions with you, which help you to actually change your habits. Mm. By the way, Hare Krishna, Judy, it's lovely to hear from you. It's another question. Uh, in sorry, your face covered there, Krishna Dharmaprabhu. Um, in terms of uh, Srila Prabhupada's lamentation when he was passing that he wanted to give Varnashram culture, how do you see this fitting into that overall target to create our own independent cultures in our lives to bring this Krishna consciousness movement forward as a whole lifestyle instead of a instead of a philosophy and a set of formulaic practices? Okay, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> How do we see, uh, okay, this being the process that we're talking about today, um, you know, discussing Sadhu Sangha. So how will that fit? Prabhupada's lamentation was, I've only done 50% of my mission and 50% remains, and that was to give Barnashram. So, so how, how do we see that um, what we're presenting and offering here could be um, helpful in that respect? And create our own independent cultures in our lives um to bring this christian conscious movement as a whole a lifestyle rather than instead of a philosophy and a set of formulate practices so not that you know we're just um doing things kind of by rote and uh, as you say you, you know we going even if we're getting up in the morning we're going to mongolati we're chanting our rounds we're going to class and you know um, and, and that's it. And then we just go on with our lives. How can it become a holistic thing um, that is, you know, becomes our, our, our very culture? And can this help? And I, I think, yes, it can. I mean, obviously, what we're saying is um, we're, we're just really, because everything that you're talking about is there in Prabhupada's books. Everything we need to know. How can we introduce Varnashram? It's a very big question. Um, and everything is there. He, he explains the whole thing. And, and the beauty of doing this discussion is that we can begin to see the relevance of what he's saying, the pertinence of it. And, you know, the pertinence of it isn't going to be the same for everyone. What does he mean when he says, understand things from different lights? Because Shastra is, um, you know, what's appropriate for me as a householder, as a young householder with a family, is not appropriate for a person who's approaching the final stage of his life as a sannyasi in Varnashram. You know, what's appropriate for a shakshari is not appropriate for a Brahmin. So there's different lights there. You know, we read apparent contradictions, but they're not contradictions. They're just ap applicable to different times, places, and circumstances. So to be able to get that understanding, we come together and we discuss the books. And, you know, then it gradually... We get the realizations and when we get the realizations we then come to the point of the how-to you know the, the the application how do i apply this you know Prabhupada says without varnashram dham there can't be social sanity therefore this movement even though it's a movement of brahmins at the same time we're trying to introduce varnashram wow what does he mean by that you know so then we discuss that uh, and, and we try you know come to a deeper understanding and how that can be applied and piece by piece, we start putting this jigsaw together because no one of us is going to be able to do this. You know, this, this is an immense kind of problem and, you know, a uh, wonderful challenge that we face. 
and and you know sometimes people i've got the answer and we come up with a whole paper and this is how we should do it but i don't think it's going to work like that Krishna's going to give us the intelligence when we cooperate together when we discuss together when we come together nicely you know and and have these vada discussions and piece by piece it will be revealed by the lord through this process i don't know if my wife wants to add anything to that um the only other thing i, I would like to add is that um would you like me to reflect back what you said first swami yeah okay so you're saying um there's a lot involved with Banashram and it's complicated you know for us to get the right idea and then how we're going to apply it in our current circumstances so how are we going to get the intelligence it's not going to be like one guy goes eureka write this paper and everyone do what i told you to do because right follow my paper but that it's going to be through collaboration uh, that we begin to discover how we can apply it in our individual lives and how you and i apply it at the end of our marriage and how a young couple like namras and tulsi will apply it will be slightly different but that realization will come to us and to them as we associate deeply with Prabhupada's purpose. So it's going to have, through the discussions, Varnashram is there in the books and through careful discussion, every couple, every individual will start getting the correct guidance from Krishna, how to apply it in their lives. Did I understand you correctly? Yes, you did. Thank you. Did you want to um, add something? Just one other point I would like to add. Um, that without doing Bhagavad Dharma, because really what we're talking about is called, another term for it is Bhagavad Dharma. Without doing this Bhagavad Dharma, uh, we're going to remain in the mode of ignorance and passion very prominently, which is harsh, um, which is full of envy, which is desire for prestige and wealth and prominence. These things are there in our hearts as conditioned souls. And if we try to um, artificially apply Vanashram, that we could very easily create um, another kind of what, what are these in um, uh, Taliban situation, you know? Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I think, oh my God, I, I I wouldn't want to live in an ISKCON state run state because it would be like another Taliban, you know? <laughs> but but if we're purified through Bhagavad Dharma, it won't be like that, and then it becomes voluntarily, not enforced by laws, you know, but it becomes whatever it's. And, and, and it'll be done by purified people who are not in, being purified of the ignorance and passion and who apply these principles with compassion uh, in a way which is Sava Bhavantu, is it? So everyone be happy. Sukhino Bhavantu. Yeah, Sava Sukhino Bhavantu. It will be beneficial for everyone, uh, women included, should the weak included. Otherwise, it can really be applied in a way like a lot of you know, women should always be protected. The Taliban do that, and it is like living hell for most women in these countries and Saudi Arabia as well. But when we do Bhagavad Dharma properly, then everyone begins to apply it not by legislation, but by because they're under, you know. I mean, I feel very safe in my husband's protection. I know that if I submit to him, which I do submit to him outside of our discussions, um. I know that he's not going to abuse me, but that's because I see his goodness. Um, and I wouldn't feel that safe making myself completely dependent on any other, you know, anyone else, you know what I mean? So we have to become purified. And I think uh, maybe my husband can correct me on this or help me uh, that, um, uh, sorry, sometimes I get brain fogs. Um, Prabhupada, Bhakti Center's father, Bhakti Nautakur said, 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur said that by doing prolonged hearing and chanting, when mm. one becomes sufficiently purified, then he can begin to practice Varnashram. Did he just say something like that, Swami? Yeah, he did say that. I mean, it's um, it's a fact that, you know, Varnashram only has application to purified people, you know, Aryans, essentially. Um, that That's made clear in the Bhagavatam, I mean, in the seventh canto, if you study that carefully, in the 11th chapter, when Narada is talking about the qualifications of a, of a human being, <laughs> and there's 30 of them, um, and, they're, and they're very exalted, you know, and, and then amongst such people, Prabhupada says, Varnashram, should be introduced so yeah i mean this is a whole separate discussion maybe another time we can come back and talk sure, about sure sure yeah. yeah i also want to talk about guru gurus and iskan in the sense oh, yeah. of guruship and iskan would be an interesting discussion as well it would be <laughs> yeah. um can i can i give you a concluding question we're at we're out of time here but it's been fantastic can i give a concluding question so it I understand that there are many issues that devotees face, whether it's um, losing faith or depression or alienation, feeling we're not going anywhere in Krishna consciousness, just distrust in the leadership, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that are, that people struggle with. And, and I understand that you're saying that this, all those different issues can be solved by improving yes. our Sadhu Sangha. Yes. Why is that? I want to, I want to kind of make it succinct, like a concluding statement. Because it worked for us, Namaras. I was one of those people. I'd lost my faith. I was depressed. Our marriage was collapsing. We were in financial difficulty. We had every single problem in the book. And it was just this one activity that changed. And it's changed everything. It changed I can't tell you the miracles that Krishna worked in our life. At the end of the day, everything in our life is under the control of the Supreme Lord. This is Sanskrit, where Chodidat is under the, under the control of divine power. And when we start doing what Krishna wants us to do, which is to hear him, to try to hear him and understand him and discuss, that's 10 Gita, when devotees, they discuss and enlighten and enliven each other by discussing and enlightening one another, then Krishna says, Tesham Sarata Yuktanam Bajatam Priti Purvakam Dadami Buddha Yogam Tam Yenamam Upayatate. He begins to enter into the equation and begins to guide us, and he makes works miracles internally in our hearts and externally in our lives. We've seen that happen in our lives, you know, and, and since 20, uh, when we came down to the manor, because we'd already seen it, we've been doing it for five years in Manchester, we've seen the ch change, we began sharing it, and I've seen it happen in other people's lives. Personally, this is my total conviction, and I would just ask people, give it a go, give it a try. You know, Prabhupada says in a 336 purport of the Bhagavatam, unless and until one is trained in the culture of good association, one cannot become good. I.e., if you are trained in that culture and you do do it, your life will become good. You'll become good. Your life will become good. So just give it a try. You know, there's no harm in trying. Yeah. Prabhu, anything to add? No, I mean, I fully, I fully endorse that statement. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, it's um, it's a very simple thing. Just please have a look at our website, um, and you know, you'll see all the information is given that we've been talking about here. Um, yeah, there it is. He's got it up on the screen for you. Um, and yeah, don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, 
if you would like any assistance um, and guidance. And of course, uh, we hope that, uh, you know, once the pandemic begins to die down, we can get out and about a bit and visit temples and even abroad travel and, and give seminars and direct uh, coaching. So um, Krishna willing, uh, we'll, we'll be doing some of that as well. Great. Thank you so much. I, I really thank you for, for joining me here today. Uh, and I thank my listeners for, for asking wonderful questions. And and please, please, if if you can go to the website, I posted up here, improvingsangha.com. Uh, it's a wonderful website. We'll show you everything that we've been talking about. You know, they've been refer referencing this website this whole time. So uh, go and check that out, improvingsangha.com. And uh, you'll see all the principles there, tips, uh, videos, links, how to get in contact with them uh, if, if you need some some personal um, guidance on all this. And uh, yeah, again, again, thank you, um, Mataji Prabhuji, for, for joining me. I really appreciate thank it. You, I forgot to add that Krishna Dharma Prabhu is, uh, you know, uh, the author of the famous Mahabharat retelling. And I, uh, Madhva, when I messaged Madhva this, this, uh, a flyer for for this he said make sure you tell the story when you first heard that my father was krishnadharma <laughs> anyways there's a funny story that i didn't realize until later that that was the same krishnadharma prabhu that i've been reading since i was a kid that uh that that mahabharat book and ramayan book so yeah it's wonderful and uh i, I hear you're working on some other uh books can you can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that before yeah. we end are, are there other Krishna Dharmas out there? Some imposters? I mean, <laughs> I, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yes, the, the other thing we're doing is called Brilliant as the Sun. And it's a dramatization of the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, but it's more than that. It, I mean, it, it, we've written it in a way to try and make it uh, an enjoyable read, like the Mahabharata, like the Ramayana. Um, but very much adhering to um, the verses, the verse numbers are actually there, so that uh, an unpacking, the, trying to unpack the meaning and and giving the flow uh, of the Bhagavatam, because often when you're reading it, especially you're reading Prabhupada's Bhagavatam, you're going through the purports as well as the verses, and you kind of lose the thread, and it, it becomes difficult, and you know, what's this all about, where am I now, you know, um, but what we've done is we've made it a, con a continuous um, narrative, uh, and help to show uh, how it's flowing uh, and what the meaning is, uh, you know. Um, and you know, we go into it in some depth, but we also try to make it an easy, accessible read. So it's a, it's really like the intended to be a companion to your study of Prabhupada's books, to okay. assist you in that and to inspire you. Because what we've found is a lot of people who've started reading these books have said to us. Wow, I, I, I stopped reading Prabhupada's Bhagavatam because it's very challenging. I mean, I've spoken to many devotees who've never read it at all. You know, Especially amongst uh, the youth that hadn't read yeah, it. Yeah, amongst youth never never tried even, but but even amongst those that have, they, they find it challenging, they often stop and it's lying on the shelf gathering dust. And they say, well, after we read your book, we felt inspired to go back and start reading it again. And that's exactly what we're trying to achieve. That's what we're trying to achieve. It's a series of books now, Ras. The the series title is Brilliant as the Sun. But each canto we've done separately. So they're all available on Amazon. They're also available as audio books. Um, canto 6 will be released very soon. Uh, wow. So the cantos 1 to 5 are already released, both as a Kindle, as a soft paperback, and as an Audible. And um, 
and six will be out soon and hopefully seven next year and, and if you want to purchase some for the temple shop or anything contact me and i can arrange it sure sure wow so thank you again and uh for our listeners uh find this podcast on youtube and facebook and all other um audio podcasting platforms thank you again and uh, have a great rest of your evening prabhu and madhuri please stay on i'll, I'll just turn off the live Hare krishna Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.